Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Antonio. We're so glad that you're here today, especially on this kind of special Sunday. I want to thank all of our kids who helped us to lead worship today. Let's give them another thank you. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful gift. And I want you to think about this because this, this is relevant to what, about what we're, uh, to what we're about to talk about. I want you to think about the different jobs that we saw represented here this morning. We had, first of all, we had our singers who did a fantastic job. And then we had our liturgist leaders. We had Ned and Zach and William in the earlier service and Caroline today. They did a fantastic job. And then we had our ushers who collected our offering, and they did, a, I'm sure they did a great job. I'm going to look in those bags in a second. I know you were really good today. But, but we also had this large group of third graders up here, and they played an important role too, because what did they do? They came up here, and they stood in front of a crowd of people, and they held up their Bibles, and they said, this is important, and God is important, and he is important in our lives, and we want to share with you what is in this book. Those are all very important jobs, not just for Sunday morning, but for all week, for all the time. And I want you to think about that. That's, that's just four different types of jobs represented here this morning. You think about around this church this morning, there are also people greeting, there are people preparing cookies and, and coffee, and there are people who are connecting with new visitors, and there are people who are, who are serving as ushers, doing that ushing, ushering. There, I mean, there are, there are people like Becky and Rebecca who are, who are training folks, and Kathy and Megan, y'all are, are teaching them to sing. I mean, there are so many things going on. There are caretakers right downstairs who are, who are taking care of our kids. There is, there is such a variety of ways to serve on Sunday morning. You know, people, people might mistakenly think that, that the preachers are the most important and the only busy people on Sunday morning, but that's not the truth. Because God has a lot of things going on. He has a lot of roles to fill, and they all fit into His big plan. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I think it's important to think about this on Children's Sunday, because I want you all, and I want, hey, all, everybody's just been in the service, all the kids, third graders, um, fifth graders, everybody, children's choir, look at me. I want, you to, I want you to look at me for a second. And I want you to answer this question. Did you know that God has a plan and a purpose for your life? Did you know that he wants you on his team and he has a specific position for you to play on his team? Did you know that you are an important part of his plan? It doesn't go just for you guys. That also goes for everybody here. God has an important part for you to play in His plan. He has a place for you at His table, but He also has a position for you on His team and a plan and purpose for your life. And that's what we're going to be talking about today as we continue our study of 1 Corinthians. This is going to be a very quick appraisal of this passage, but we're going to, we're going to look to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 4 through 11, and I, I encourage you to find that because we're going to make, be making some, some close-by references as well. So you can find it on page 1139 in your pew Bibles. But 
let's read, go ahead, and let's, let's hear these words from the Apostle Paul about the different roles, about the different gifts that God has for us. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit, uh, through the, Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various types of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. The, glass, uh, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. O oh Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your Son, our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. Now we know, because we've been studying the book of Corinthians for several weeks now, we know that one of the problems facing the Corinthian church was the issue of division. Several times in this letter, Paul took the Corinthian Christians, both individuals and groups, to task for saying and acting like they were better than others or that they were more important than others. The background of today's passage is that apparently certain members of the congregation of the Corinthian church were claiming spiritual superiority to their fellow Christians because they demonstrated certain spiritual gifts that others did not. Now, these were incredible, remarkable spiritual gifts, things like being able to heal people, being able to, to speak in different languages that they'd never heard before and, and to interpret those languages. They were, they were miracles of other designs where they could just do something that just seemed supernatural. They, they were people who had this sort of uncanny ability to tell what somebody else was, if somebody else was telling the truth and discern whether or not they were, they were acting in good or evil. They just had these really spectacular gifts. And those who manifested these gifts were, at, were, were acting like and possibly even claiming that they were more important than the church, in the church than others. Somehow that they were more honorable or that they were more advanced or more holy than those people who didn't have those gifts. And these dramatic gifts not only made them, in their estimation, more mature, it made them, well, more authentic and superior. Now, some of these Corinthians were saying things like, well, we're more holy because God's given us the gift of prophecy. So we alone know what God is telling us to do. Or others might have been saying, I have the gift of healing, just like Jesus. Therefore, I must be closer to God. Others were saying, well, we speak in tongues, in holy languages, the languages of the angels, and we've performed supernatural miracles, so we must be the Lord's true followers. All with the implication that those who had the visible or the dramatic gifts must be God's favorite. They must be his most important children. 
Maybe they should be the ones in charge. And so Paul, in the middle of this letter, says we're going to put an end to all that. He said that all followers of Jesus Christ are given some manifestation of the Holy Spirit. But all these gifts are not dramatic. And the working of miracles is not more valuable or more holy than the gift of faith. And a person with the power to heal is not more faithful than a person who does not have the power to heal but has wisdom. And the outspoken prophet is not more righteous than the person who humbly and quietly receives the knowledge of the gospel. And the center, that is to say the the turning point or the fulcrum of this entire passage is verse 7. In verse 7, Paul wrote this. He said, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So first of all, he says, to each. To each. The good news of the gospel is not just that God has forgiven us of our sins, but that because of Jesus Christ, God has adopted us as His own children. In Galatians 4, it says, God has sent the Spirit of the Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. And Paul is saying that every single follower of Jesus Christ is given spiritual gifts. Every single adopted child of God gets a part of his inheritance. For some, those gifts may be dramatic, like healing or prophecy or the working of miracles or supernatural discernment or tongues. But for others, they'll be less dramatic, like wisdom and faith and knowledge. But all of these gifts have the same origin. They all come from God the Holy Spirit. Now, the good news of the gospel is that every adopted child of God inherits his father's treasure. And everyone bears his name, and everyone has been given a responsibility. There is no hierarchy of gifts. We all may have different roles to play in the kingdom, but we all have a role. So next, Paul says this, to each is given a manifestation of the Spirit. To each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit. And notice that the apostle does not say that we will simply get a gift from the Spirit, but a manifestation of the Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit is not going to give us a gift like we usually get, one that we can use or enjoy, that we can discard or employ. Rather, he's making, uh, he is making us a manifestation of himself. In Ephesians 2.10, Paul says something similar. He says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So the spiritual gifts are not like a, they're not like a tie or a piece of jewelry that you can put on or take off. It's not like a hammer that you pick up when you want to use it and then set it aside when you don't need it anymore 
Or it's not like a computer that you turn on when you're ready to, to, to look something up on the internet. The gifts of God are more like, they're more like a makeover. Or they're more like a renovation. They're more like a recreation that makes us look more like God. Because the Holy Spirit is conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ, the Son. And the point of this gifting is that people will see Christ in us. What God wants is for His glory, His gospel, His love, His forgiveness, His power, His holiness to be made manifest, that is to, to be visible, made flesh and blood in our lives. So just as the role of the Holy Spirit is to point us toward Jesus Christ, so the Spirit is remaking us so that our lives, your life, my life, young or old, male or female, your life, my life, will point to Jesus. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone gets these gifts. Everyone is given a gift that shows something about who God is, because the point of these gifts is to make the invisible God visible. God wants people to see that He is the healer, that He is wise, that He is compassionate, that He is faithful, and that He is powerful. And the variety is wonderful. Because it shows us that our God is not just the God of one thing. Our God is not just the rain God. He's not just the war God. He's not just the fertility God. And he's not just the God of one people. He's not just the God of the Jews. He's not just the God of the Greeks. He's not just the God of the Romans. He's not just the God of the Americans. Our God is shown in all of his completeness and complexity in the many aspects of the gifts that he gives. And so we look at our God and we understand that our God is wise and He understands our lives and the challenges that we face better than we even do ourselves. He can see things that we don't see. He sees around the corners we can't see around. And therefore, we have the gift of wisdom and prophecy. Our God sees with perfect clarity the difference between good and evil. And therefore, the gifts of discernment. Our God not only knows the languages of all peoples, of all the earth and history, but He also knows the special language that He needs to speak to your heart to make a difference so that you will hear Him. And so the gift of tongues. Our God is the Creator and Lord over all creation. He's the one who parted the Red Sea and calmed the storms, who set the stars in the heavens and who shapes our bodies and our mother's wombs, who gave light to the earth and gives sight to the blind and therefore gifts of miracles. Our God is the healer, and He's the one who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, who knows the brokenness of both our bodies and our spirits, of both our physical and our mental illness, and He has the power to restore, deliver, and heal, and therefore gifts of healing. And our God is faithful. He is the unchanging rock 
He is the Alpha and the Omega, the great I Am, who never changes in His character and who never changes in His love for us, who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Who says, Behold, I am holding you even until the end of the age. Who by His death on the cross proves how much He loves us. And who by raising Jesus from the dead proves that He has the power to make a difference in our lives now and forever. God gives us a variety of gifts because He wants the world to see the bigness of His grace, of His love, of His holiness, and His completeness in all these many aspects. But God also gives us a variety of gifts because He knows that there are a variety of needs in the world. And therefore He says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Look at those last words. For the common good. What does Paul mean by the common good? In Micah 6.8, the Lord tells us this. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice? and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. God is calling us to use the gifts He gives to seek justice, to exercise kindness, and to demonstrate humble faithfulness to God. This is, I believe, the common good that the apostle has in mind. You and I have been given these gifts because, honestly, beloved, our world's pretty messed up. Kindness is lacking in a world that prizes celebrity and status and power, where kindness itself is seen as naive and foolish. He gives us these gifts because in our world, justice is lacking. We see it in the news of the day where Over a 1,000 Jews and Americans can be slaughtered and kidnapped by terrorists. At the same time, innocent people have their homes raided and bombed. He gives gives us these gifts because he knows that this world isn't fair and somebody needs to represent his ongoing love and justice in the midst of it. And he gives us these gifts because our Heavenly Father knows that in this world he is not worshipped. He's not taken seriously. The Son, Jesus Christ, is not revered, but He's lampooned. He's held in derision, and the name of God is profaned. And so the Lord gives us these gifts because our our world needs people who will stand for justice, people who will exercise kindness, and most of all, people who will take seriously God's love and His truth. And so these gifts of the Spirit are not for our private exclusive good. They are given for the common good. What this means is that each gift is a gift that is given not only to you, but through you. In Genesis 12, God said to Abram, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. So that, listen to this, so that you will be a blessing. In the same spirit, 
God empowers us to bless others in our age, just as he empowered Abram in his, so that we may be a blessing to others as well. The Spirit does not give gifts and ministries so that we can boast in our spiritual prowess or our holiness or righteousness or anything like that. They're not badges of our sanctity or promotions for righteousness. That's apparently what the Corinthians believed. But rather, the gifts that God gives you, the gifts that God gives me, are given for the good of the world. They are signs for drawing people's attention to the living God. By healing the sick and by grieving with those who grieve, by standing up for the weak and the poor, standing up for the outcast and the orphan, just as Jesus did, we show people that God is real, that he loves us, that he cares about us, and that he has the power to make a difference in our lives and in our world now and forever. Which brings me to the point of this whole passage, why Paul brought this up in the first place. And again, I'm looking not only at you little guys in the front, but you big guys here in the back. The point of this is, is that God gives us these gifts because you matter to God. Your gifts are important because you are a part of God's body and you have a role in God's plan. I want you to think about how this makes you more significant, not less. The apostle says that the body isn't just a single blown up part into something huge. It's not just a caricature of a, of a nose or an eye or a hand or anything like that. Rather, it's a work of symmetry where all the parts work together for good. He writes, if the body was all eye, how could it hear? And if, uh, if it was all ear, how could it smell? And if it was, and, and if it was we see that God has, as it is, excuse me, we see that God has carefully placed each part in the body right where he wanted it to be. And so what he is telling us, what the apostle is telling us is don't overestimate the importance of your own gifts, but also don't underestimate the importance of your own gifts or of somebody else's. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the foot, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. The parts of the body that seem less pretty, less attractive, are, are, the, are the most important, or, or at least parts we don't want to lose. I mean, think about this. Maybe everybody thinks that the best thing about you is your hair. You know, he's got great hair. She's got great hair. Would you, would you rather lose your hair or your foot? Or your eye? Or your ear? The things that we don't necessarily think are the best are foundational to God's plan. And even though we may think that some people have special gifts, miraculous gifts, powerful gifts, we've got to remember that God gives a variety of gifts. And, and I'll tell you, beloved, I do believe in those dramatic gifts. I do believe in, you know, in tongues and prophecy and wisdom and and miracles and all the I do believe in those things. I believe that they are wonders to behold, but I also know this. The schools and churches are not built by wonder workers, but by people of knowledge and wisdom who want to teach others so that they can learn the truth of God and be lifted out of the darkness, out of their ignorance and poverty. I do know that hospitals are not built by faith healers, 
They're built by ordinary people of extraordinary faith, by compassionate people of faith who believe that Jesus Christ has given us the wisdom and the knowledge to minister to one another. And I believe that missionaries don't have to be prophets. They don't have to sit around for someone to utter a direction in some holy language. Rather, they are people who trust in God's written word as real and sufficient for their calling and take it to the ends of the earth. So the point is that God has a position and a role for each of you. And not only that, you are an important part of his plan. And I want to say something that, that may make you a bit uncomfortable, and it may even blow your mind. But here it is. Not only does God have a plan and a purpose for your life, but because of your experiences, your education, your opportunities, that sort of thing, God has specifically designed you to be someone else's help in trouble. What that means is that I believe that God has designed each and every one of you, each and every one of us, to be His answer to someone else's prayer. That means that God has given you the gifts that somebody else, either in this room or beyond, needs right now. You do not have to save the world. You just have to pour yourself into that opportunity that God gives you. God has a plan and a purpose for you, a position for you on his team, and has given you the gifts to make it all happen. And so I want to say this. You know, John Calvin wrote this once. He said, it is no doubt that God can make us perfect without human assistance. But we're not asking about what God could do, but what God has chosen to do through Jesus Christ. And God has given human beings the extraordinary privilege of being instruments of grace in his plan of salvation. 